Hello and welcome to Jack Myers Ministries and Life Family Church Podcast. Be blessed by this week's message. the privileges I have is whenever uh, he's gone. So the the pastor, our pastor happens to be my husband. So uh, one of the jobs of any associate, and that's kind of a funny word to me, you guys always hear me poke fun at it. Uh, I'm associated with him and he's associated with me. So that's what that means. It's not a biblical office (laughs) or a term. It just means I get to do everything uh, that there is to do. And also uh, it's my job to make sure when I'm speaking that I'm not introducing some new uh, revelation to you or something that's just my personal bent or flavor, because there are things that are my personal bent and flavor that I like to teach on, but to uh, understand where the pastor has been taking us by the Spirit and to just put my shoulder to that same plow and shove us forward. So when he comes back, we need to be in a different place tonight. Now I'm going to do my job and I'm going to believe you're going to do yours. Amen. (laughs) Okay. So my job is is to take you there in the word. Your job is to hook up with it. So I also get the opportunity to say things that sometimes would be very uh, difficult for a pastor to say to his own congregation. So if you want to be have an itinerant ministry, I just told you the secret right there. That's why I have a lot of meetings because I come and say what they can't say. And boy, is that fun. Yeah. Fun for me. But, um, Anyway, so I'm going to talk to you this morning, and we visited this subject before. It's been a while, but like Paul said, it is not troublesome to me to revisit a topic or to repeat myself, certainly when it comes to the scripture. So uh, I've come across, obviously I do most of the the counseling, and um, uh, not only in this ministry, but in many other places, it has occurred to me that most people don't know what a pastor is. They don't, they don't actually know what his role is biblically or in their life. They have a lot of miscon. Some people have no idea. They have no conceptions, but most of the other people have complete misconception. So uh, what's a pastor? What is the office of that pastor? How do you receive from that supply? Because even if you know what it is, if you don't know how to receive from that supply, what good is it going to do you? Uh, so I'm going to talk, talk about him uh, behind his back. Is that okay? Yeah, so the word is authorized. So let's do that. Uh, let's talk about what it encompasses. We all have an available supply from heaven for everything we need, yes? Okay, is it healing is a supply, finance, we all have an available supply to everything we need, but there's different supply lines. And so if you go into your bathroom and you want to turn the light on and you need an electrical supply and you grab the faucet, did you grab the wrong supply line? Yeah. So if you do not or you're not able to discern that uh, electrical supply has a conduit, water supply has a conduit or, or sewage has a different conduit, you're going to try to access the wrong pipeline for the wrong supply and it's not going to work. And many things in your life are probably because of that. You either are not accessing the pipeline or you're not ac- accessing the proper lines. That makes sense. Okay. Good health comes into your lo- life through a, a supply line of eating carrots, not Twinkies. So that's the proper supply line of health. Okay, health is going to flow this way. And, and whether you've accessed the right supply line, you can't eat Twinkies and go, I wonder why I feel like a Twinkie. Okay, because uh, you are what you eat. <laughs> and some people need to quit eating crab salad. Okay. I was just seeing if you were listening. Okay. <laughs> so uh, money, a supply line of money would come through the hands of men. The hands of men is the only way you get money. It doesn't grow on trees, right? It can't be dug up in a hole ground. It's not at the pot at the end of the rainbow, <laughs> for some of you that are still waiting for that, <laughs> with a leprechaun. So uh, wisdom supply comes to you through the, through the mouths of men, either in spoken or written form, right? So if you lack wisdom, that's the, how you get the supply line of wisdom. And a harvest, if you need a harvest in your life in any area, that comes through the supply line of your hands and your mouth. 
Okay, so there are different supply lines and you need to know where they are and how to access them. Very simple, right? Okay, I like the KISS method. Keep it simple, sweetie. So there's a supply that comes from a true pastor. There are many people that have that title that have titled themselves. Someone else titled them, or maybe Cracker Jack Box has titled them. I don't know. But however, a true pastor, one that's ordained by God, not by a man, there's going to be a supply to his flock. So you have to recognize that. So a pastor uh, is a person, is an office, not a person. Let me explain it this way. M much of the word is understood in military terms. Is a soldier a person? Yes. Okay. Is a general an office? Yes. yes. Is a general still a soldier? Yes. So the personhood of a general did not change, but his office changed, did it not? Okay, so a pastor is a Christian just like you and I, and that doesn't change. But he is walking in an office that you and I are not walking in. And so when you go to the office of your boss versus the office of one of your peers or cubicle, is there a different supply through each one of those doorways? Yeah, the peer's office may bring you friendship, fellowship, whatever it is you're needing help. But when you go to, through the doorway of the office of your boss, there is a completely different supply line there. Is your boss a person just like you are. Yes. Yeah, different offices, right? So that's why I like to say we have equal love and equal value in the body, but we do not have the same function. We have a different function. So we want to recognize the fact that he's actually standing in an office and understand what that is. The Greek word translated pastor in King James literally means shepherd. So John 10, 11 through 13, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for a sheep. So one of the first things we're going to see in a true pastor, and thank God I can preach this message and 100% of it fits ours, or I wouldn't, I'd be a few fries short of a happy meal to preach that here, wouldn't I? Yeah, but since I'm not, uh, then I can preach all of this. So uh, gives his life. So we have a pastor who lays down his life for his sheep. I live with them, so I can say that he puts uh, the ministry and, and you all and everything first before himself. Okay, and if you're part of his family, you better like living that way, or you're just not going to be so happy. So turn with me to 1 Peter 2.25. He would desire that we receive the fullness of the supply that we can from him. Let me just, and, and again, I'm going to minister this by the Spirit, regardless of my notes. Uh, so a lot of people, not in this church, anytime I'm talking about something you would view as maybe not favorable, just remember this, I'm talking about somebody else, not you. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll say, uh, well, why do we need to call pastor, pastor, or doctor, or use titles or whatever? When you go into your um, physician's office, I think you call him doctor, not, hey, Jim Bob, how's it hanging? Yeah, we don't, we don't do that. In other words, why? Because you don't need what Jim Bob's got. What you need is the office, the education that this person walks in. So uh, we don't call our dentist that. And, and, and my father said that we don't, we don't, in my house, we call policemen, policemen, not cops. It was disrespectful. So again, we strike the office of the mantle on somebody's life. So if you have a professor at school, it's professor. It's not Betty Sue. Because Betty has nothing for you, but the office of the professor, the education, is the mantle you strike. So when you open your mouth and you use a title for anything or anyone, you're bypassing an individual. How refreshing. Because people don't have anything for you. And you're striking the mantle on their life, be it natural, educational, uh, or spiritual. It works both ways. So you want the supply on their life, right? Which means even if they want to get in the way, they can't. 
because you took your mouth and you strike the mantle. The same way in the Old Testament story we all love that Elisha put on Elisha's manual, but he took that mantle off and he struck that water and he said, where's the God of Elijah? So as he knew how to strike the mantle with his mouth to bring the flow of supply to his life. So when we say uh, Dr. Jack or Pastor Jack or Professor, whichever one you know fits, so you're in the classroom in the church, it doesn't matter. Uh, doctor is an educational term. It's what we called him before he pastored, and it's an affectionate term. But pastor is, is, is the literal, it would be the accurate one if you're like, I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> he's in the classroom. He's a professor. He's not an instructor. The rest of us are instructors when you have a doctor, you're a professor. In other words, so strike the supply. Does that make sense? So he knows his name, he's not confused, it's Jack. And for me, it's Jackie, and his real name is Harry. <laughs> so he's not confused about his name. So you, you strike the mantle on his life so you have a supply. It's not for him, he's not confused about wh which one he is, it doesn't change, does that make sense? So we're using that title, not because we're honoring some man above another man. It's a, it says, I'm striking the mantle of heaven supply that God has authorized on his life for my life. It doesn't have anything to do with, with the person. And also, it, whenever somebody ever addresses me, correctly, whatever, I've told my staff this, I said, it immediately takes me out of the natural and puts me in the spirit and the position of a servant. I'd kneel if I didn't have a skirt on today. But when they say, Pastor Reed, immediately they've got my attention and it's, you're tapping a supply in heaven. What can I do for you? I'm here to serve you. But if you say, hey, Marie, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm not ready to serve because you didn't tap the supply. In other words, so there's, there's a huge difference there. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm just trying to explain it in a way that we can all un understand and move forward. So 1 Peter 2, are you there? Let me get that. <laughs> Takes a little while. It's such a small book, but you know, Peter was a sanguine, so he wrote uh, briefly. <laughs> it was probably an attention span thing. And, the, and so instead of making it longer, he wrote two versions of it. Okay, 1 Peter 2.25 uh, says this, for we were as sheep, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, you were going astray like so many sheep. So who was going astray? We were. This is referring to sheep. Who's sitting in this building right now? Sheep. sheep. So sheep is referring, you're going astray while you're sitting in church. This is not those people that are not sheep. This is not the wolves. This is sheep. So it is possible to sit in a church, in a Bible school classroom, and go astray. Right. Satan was a walking amongst the uh, thrones of God. He was the honor guard of heaven, and he ended up more than a few fries short of a Happy Meal. So your attendance at a church benefits you in no way in the long run, except obviously you've done the first thing, you've, you've not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together. But that's not where that can remain. So I know people that have been in Bible school for years, and when they opened their mouth, there was absolutely no evidence. If I had not known they were in attendance, I would have never guessed they had ever been in Bible school, much less churched. So you can be in church, and church is not in you. You can be in Bible school for years and Bible school never be in you. You can read the word and the word not affect change in your life because you have head knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but it doesn't turn into personal growth. Does that help? Okay. So this is, this is talking to us. It's not talking about others. So we don't need to go, oh, that's for them. No, this is for, for you and me today. So we were sheep going astray. In other words, these are sheep right in the flock. But now you've come back to the shepherd, guardian, and the bishop of your souls. So the first thing a pastor does is he keeps us from going astray. Because we can go astray just Monday through Saturday, can we not? Yeah. 
We can get distracted, we can get off, we can think it's a small decision, and that one degree again ends us up. We were headed to New York, one degree three hours later is LA. Is it not? Okay, that's a big difference from where we wanted to be. So it keeps us from going astray. Uh, the Greek says, wandering from the truth and safety and from being deceived. How many of you would testify that any given week you have a chance to go astray and be deceived and wander away from the truth? Yeah, every single week we have decisions come up that we're like, okay, is this God? Is this me? Is this truth? Is this a lie? So uh, the, a pastor, that's why he has a uh, a crook at the end of it, because if a sheep gets off, he can sort of gently try to pull that sheep back. Now, uh, we have a pastor that he won't force that. You look him in the eye and you say, let me go, let you go. Because see, he's not going to override the free will card. Okay, God authorized you to have a free will that you can take all the way to the bottom of hell if you want, <laughs> or you can take to heaven. So no human is going to try to override what God has authorized to remain in your control, and that's your free will. So uh, he's going to give his life for the sheep. He's there to keep us from going astray, wandering from the truth and being deceived. So a pastor is a gift from God, according to Ephesians 4.11. So how do you treat a gift? Hopefully well. Some people not so much. They throw it on the floor and, uh, you know, trample it or just because, again, sometimes you don't value what you didn't pay for. But somebody else paid for that, that gift. So we want to develop a little bit more character than that. So the pastor, according to Ephesians 4.11 and 12.28, is a gift from God. His purpose is two things. He is to perfect the saints. And that word perfection doesn't mean you need to be perfect like Martha Stewart because she isn't either, but, you know, not perfect. It means complete, lacking nothing. So can we get to a place in our spiritual lives that we have a completeness Amen. where nothing is lacking? Salvation means nothing lacking, nothing broken. So a pastor is, is to do those things in us. He's to help perfect the saints. He also does one other thing. He teaches us how to win the lost. He teaches us how to be soul winner. For him to teach that, would he need to be one? Yes. Okay, some, some aren't, and they actually say, I've heard them say, it's not my job to win souls. Yeah, <laughs> thought I told a putty tat. I always think of um, Tweety Bird when those things are said to me and perplexing. So uh, the most outstanding characteristic of a pastor is a shepherd's heart. He loves people and he's loyal to his flock. In other words, he's not looking for the grass being greener to trade you in for the next year's model. <laughs> he hears from God for our lives and for the congregation, not because he's got nothing better to do. That takes a great, great deal of effort to uh, put your own needs aside as a Christian and what you'd like to hear from God about your life. In addition to doing that, hearing God for a congregation at large in the spirit, but individual lives that have individual needs that are accessing you during the week. That's an enormous amount of um, pressure in the natural, would it be, to you? Okay, if you had a family of 70, 80, 90, 100, just here, not to mention your, your campuses and your, and your missionaries and stuff. Yeah, a little bit, little bit stressful at moments. Uh, he has a vision that people can follow. So if his vision is the word and his, or his basic vision is we win the lost and we disciple the found. It's not complicated. We do that in many various ways. Can we all follow that as Christians safely? Yes. Mark 16, 15. So we've never deviated from that. We don't have a complicated vision here. Uh, he prays for the members of his church, according to John 17, 9 and Luke 22. Number five, he sanctifies himself through the word and prays to hear from God through fasting and prayer for your sakes. Because believe me, fasting isn't fun. I'm, personally, I'm not so good at it. Like usually when I'm fasting, he asks me what I'm going to eat. <laughs> 
little bit on the crabby salad side. Uh, but he can do a 40-day fast. So in other words, sanctify means he sets himself apart through fasting and prayer for you all, because nobody needs to fast and pray generally that much about their life if they're walking in the light of the truth and they're just moving forward. Occasionally, you might have a really big decision, but Brother Hagin said it never took him more than three days to get an answer from God. Well, that's about his own life in ministry and what he was supposed to do. But when you're trying to fast and pray on a large scale for about a two-year plan, which is how you have to navigate a church, because people don't like change even when and it's good. And that is us people here <laughs> in this room. And so you turn that rudder a lot more slowly, which means you got to plan, you got to start driving in a direction of two years ahead than where you want to go. So he's praying and he's fasting. He's setting himself apart and consecrating. You think that takes a little bit of his week? Yeah. yeah or maybe he'd like to watch Netflix like we are, but he, but he doesn't get to. Okay. His motto in life is this, others may, but I may not. He's not asking himself, oh, should I do this because it's sin or not sin? No, he's, he's, he's choosing between two good things. Should I relax and maybe watch a movie or admit, no, I need to go to my prayer room. And we're just always going to movies, not sin, we'll pick the movie. Yeah, so he's off having to fast and pray when we're enjoying ourselves or at the strawberry festival, right? So his motto is, others may, but I may not. Uh, so pastors, uh, John 17, 9 says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also might be sanctified through the, through the truth. As the leader is, so the people are. In whatever organization you're under, your boss, uh, your uh, business, anything you're under, your pastor, you will never be able to go past the leader. He's just the door. So you're, you're going to hit a ceiling. So if your pastor's not soul winning, he's not fasting and praying, and he's not getting answers, are you going to be able to supersede that? So he has to constantly grow, even if you don't want to, so that the few of you that want to can, right? So he has to always be ahead, uh, cut on, on the cutting edge of growing in the word and the spirit so that he can invite you to join him, yes? So he must be the leader, which means he has to be out there in front. And that means sometimes the pressure you feel to change, multiply that by 25 at least, that, that's on him, to not only maintain a pace and does he ever get to go, oh, I think I'll take a vacation from change. But we think we have that luxury. Yeah. That's another sermon. Okay. Pastors lead sheep. They feed sheep. They protect sheep. So uh, sometimes when he says something to you, it's for, it is for your protection, even though you may not uh, notice it or recognize it as thus immediately. He scouts ahead for good ground. Uh, so I would call that, that's what guest ministers are. Whoever's in this pulpit, he's scouted ahead for good ground. So he may not be going there with you. He may be saying, hey, I'm out of town, but whoever's here is feeding you good food. He scouts ahead for good ground. He's highly, highly protective that you have the best food. So we could say, um, pastor shops only organic Trader Joe's for you. <laughs> Whole Foods or whatever your favorite organic place is. Uh, that's what you get fed here because he wants you to have the best food. If you do want a Twinkie, watch it on TV. Lots of Twinkies on TV. Okay, uh, sheep can be called by name. And so I would say this, if he calls and you don't answer, you're not his sheep. So when somebody calls your name and you don't answer, your boss calls your name, you recognize his voice and you, you answer. If you didn't answer, he think, oh, you're a visitor or a guest or whatever, you obviously don't work here. So when the pastor calls your name, hey, so-and-so, you know, try to flag you down, uh, you, you'll respond to that. Now, I'll just tell you this, why God chose to do it this way, I don't know. But from the day one that we started this church, I have known when they, people walk in the door whether they were or weren't sheep. 
whether they were passing through or visiting or grazing. Uh, why? I don't know. Maybe that was necessary for the position I stand in. And he does too. Just interesting that I got to sort of observe that. It's, it's fun sometimes to know. So John 17, 9, uh, for their sakes he sanctifies himself. Uh, so sheep are anointed with oil by the shepherd to keep away flies and gnats. So we're like, why do we always have, why is every Sunday night what, what he just paraphrases as an anointing service? To oil you up and grease you down to keep the belzy bubs, the flies and gnats, off your life during the week. Okay, like water off a duck's back. Uh, they get the oil and they put it on, on them. So you need the word and the spirit. Obviously, because he tells you repeatedly, it's so that you don't just dry up with the word. You don't fake up with the spirit. When they put, give you the word and the spirit so that you can grow up. So it's very important that you don't pick and choose and go, well, I prefer Sunday mornings instead of Sunday nights. Don't get in the rut of your preference with spiritual things because God knows what you need. It's not about what you want. You're not smart enough to choose that in the natural, much less the spiritual. Half the, half the time in the natural, we don't make the right choices about what we think we want or what we feel we want is, is generally uh, most of those decisions we regret anyway. So uh, the food that's being prepared uh, is good for you no matter what day of the week it is, amen, or what time of the day it is. Um, the, they can recognize, sheep can recognize their own shepherd's voice even if five different flocks are together. So... In the natural, when uh, shepherds herded sheep, during the day, they would graze their flocks together. Now, I'm sure that the, all the sheep looked alike. So like, well, how do you tell them apart at night when it's time for each shepherd to take his little sheep in a protected area? But uh, they could graze them all together, five different flocks, and the shepherd would call. And the little sheep, literally the animals, recognized their shepherd's voice, and they would go with him. So when our pastor calls and you follow, that means you're his sheep. You recognize his voice, not some other pastor's voice, okay? Because he calls and their sheep are doing what, whatever the Lord says for them to do. So in other words, we can't be distracted. It's not healthy for you to eat at Fred's Buffet spiritually all week where you have 10 to 15 different ministers. And I'm not saying don't listen to other ministers because I'm, I'm going to say that because this is uh, on the podcast. That's not what I'm saying. We're more mature than that, isn't it? But how many of you eat at Fred's? buffet or golden corral or anything like that and every time i eat there i regret it i love it i think uh, there's not one time i've ever been disciplined enough to stop before it hurts <laughs> maybe you all have more discipline than me but not when you're at a buffet because you just want a little of everything and even that one bite of everything even the chocolate and the bread pudding just i don't know where it sent me over the edge but somewhere you're like oh your body doesn't do well on that you you understand that if you actually ate like that every day you'd be malnourished but psychologically you're like well wouldn't i be better nourished and be in top performance shape because i got all these extra nutrients Actually, any nutritionist will tell you the exact opposite. So if you're listening to 15 different podcasts by 15 different men and women in the body that were not your pastor, are you not eating the right food? And you're definitely distracted. In other words, so you're, you've just got a little speckle, got a little taste of bread pudding, a little taste of chocolate, a little bit of a, a barbecue rib, a little chicken wing, because you just couldn't pass any of it up. And man, it tasted good when you were eating it. But why are you malnourished at the end of the year? You're malnourished because you're not eating the food that God has prepared for you, so you're not strengthened. When someone's training for um, downhill skiing, very different training food regimen than someone training for a marathon. It is not a one-size-fits-all. So in the company, in the military camp that God has put you in, you have specific training. The Green Berets do not get the same training as Navy SEALs, do they? Different missions. Are both missions equally important? Yes. 
are both authorized by the general. But if you're a Navy SEAL, you are not being trained in the Green Beret camp. If they find you in the Green Beret camp, you're considered AWOL, absent without leave, and you are court-martialed. They used to shoot you. Now they just court-martial you and give you a dishonorable discharge. So when we are absent without leave, God didn't tell you to go over there and eat their food. That's not okay with God, is it? So you, in other words, be, and, and not because he's mad. He's upset because you'll be malnourished. Uh, number three, by receiving his counsel at the wi- as the wisdom of God, we're going to realize that he's dealing in supernatural wisdom, not human philosophy. So if you go into a counseling appointment with your pastor and you've taken an opinion poll before or getting ready to take one after four other people, please leave your pastor out because respect his time. Don't waste your time, but please don't waste his time either. So in other words, if you're going, you're, again, you're tapping the supply. So it's not to just go ask pastor what you think, what he thinks when you've already made up your mind and you're going to ask three other people and pick the best out of three. Or if you're informing him, you can inform him via email. Saves a lot of time. Hey, I've already decided I'm going to do this. We always appreciate the information, but I don't need to have coffee or a meal over someone informing me of what they've already decided. That's not counseling. I mean, would you want someone to do that to you? And if you're not going to receive his advice as the counsel of God, don't go talk to him. There's nothing worse than you sitting down with somebody who you're trying to assist and they go out and do the exact opposite or nothing at all. There's two hours of your life you never get back again. The most valuable thing you've been given by God is is the gift of a free will, which he will not take back. You will take it to heaven or hell. And this other gift that that makes all men equal, time. So you need to respect time. To respect someone's time is to respect their person. To disrespect their time is to disrespect their person because that is time they can never get back. And so if they they are willing to take the most valuable possession they have, two hours, and give it to you, to sow into you, to invest into you because they believe in you, what kind of harvest do you think they deserve off of that? To not do it, to never report back to them, to say, oh, I I changed my mind, I went another direction, oh, I went with so-and-so's advice. Do we need to go down that road? Okay, let's just walk in love and not make the appointment if we're going to do that. So, um, and again, those are biblical guidelines. Those are not the one he's he's create. So I like to say it like this. A mentor is the person whose advice you follow, not the one you just listen to. Okay, so if you call your pastor, he's a mentor, he's a pastor, then you go to him only. If it's the word, you follow it. If it's not the word, you throw it in the trash can, but then probably don't need to have that person as a pastor. Uh, and so there doesn't need to be any, anybody else. Or he may, out, he may do what I call outsource you. He may say, you need to go speak to Mr. Mel on that problem. Okay, so it's his job. It's not your job to outsource yourself and have three or four different people telling you and then he doesn't even have the whole story. So if you go to a mentor of any kind, and this relates in your job, in your career, in whatever it is you're doing, it's that person and that person only. If I want a financial mentor, I have a financial mentor. If I want a running uh, coach, I get a running coach. Obviously, they're different people, right? But if you're going to somebody about decisions in your life and they may say, this is not my forte, it's out of the biblical arena, I I want you to go to this person. And the reason it's important for the pastor to let you know to go to, he knows who's safe. You only know who looks good on the outside. He knows who's actually safe for you, who actually mouth lines up with their life. So he knows who's living it and who's just talking it. So he's going to put you under. Again, this person will feed you and not in error. I'm sending you to them for help because they're safe. So that's why you want to get the direction from there isn't anything he doesn't know, whether it's medical, financial, whatever, and he knows where to send you because God's given him that supply uh, within either his board or this body. Amen? Amen. 
Again, so you have a full supply. So uh, you want to support your pastor these two ways. Uh, praying for him, his family, and his staff. Two, providing financial support. The reason you want to pray for his family and his staff, so if a pastor has fortified himself and he's, he's got the blood and he's keeping himself built up, the people that circle him first are who? family members, whether they're in the ministry or not, is not relevant. Those are the people closest to him. They're going to affect his heart and his mind, his pocketbook, everything else. And then his staff is standing next to him. So if Satan can't get to the pastor, who's he going after? He's going to constantly hit those people. And he's going to go from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. He's just going to keep repeating it. So they're under const- they're constant targets. So that's why it's important that we don't just pray for him. We include his family so they're not either a drain on his faith, breaking his heart all the time and making life difficult for him in the ministry, uh, and, and also the people that are, that are serving alongside him so that they stay strengthened and built up so they can move as one unit. That's what, an ar- that's what armor bearers are. Yes? Does that make sense? Okay. So we want to every day, and that's why we put that on our sayings list. So we want to pray for that as a group. Uh, you also can support him financially. First Corinthians 9 says, uh, it's, Is it written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn? Does God take care of oxen? Uh, so in other words, the labor is worthy of his hire. But let's go to this verse, 1 Timothy 5.17. Let's see what it says specifically about the pastor that's laboring. Are you being helped? Yes. Talking about what is a pastor in your life and uh, how to receive a supply from that pipeline. It'll change your life this year if you'll recognize that and, and access it. Again, it's not in the knowing only. After today, it'll be in the doing. Okay, 1 Timothy 5.17 in the Amplified says, Let the pastors that rule well, that would be our pastor, be counted worthy of double honor. That word in the Greek, honor, translates money paid and valuables. Especially they who labor, work hard, and feel fatigue in the word and doctrine. Have you seen our pastor work hard and be fatigued? Yeah, not only in this country, but on the, on, on the foreign field. So if he's not preaching, uh, he's picking up trash, he's cutting the grass. He's, he's, he, anytime you see him around here, he's working, working on the sound system, working on different things, working on his house. So he's constantly working. So he labors well, though, in doctrine. There's, a, there's different levels uh, of that office of, of experience. So he's been in ministry 23 years at this point, uh, pastoring in his eighth year. So he has a lot of prior experience. So uh, we were talking about that actually in the um, worship team uh, powwow this morning, but uh, we, the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due, does it? Okay. Are we all sons and daughters of God? Yes. Are we royalty? Yes. Is honor due each one of us? then we are to treat all men with equal honor and dignity and respect, yes? yes? So we're not exalting the pastor and giving him a different level of respect. We are to show the def- difference between the pastor and us by money paid and valuable. So he is worthy of his salary and things being given and paid for him, is he not? Because the word double honor means something entirely different. We are to honor and respect one another the same. But the way we honor and respect our pastor with double honor, the God defined for us. We didn't define that God defined. Is that different? Yes. Yeah. And so we can do that to show double honor. If you sow into something, are you going to reap from it? So however much you sow into the pipeline of your pastor is however much you're going to reap. So if you sow a little into him, you're not going to reap a lot, are you? How about if you sow hardship? How about you sow heartbreak? There's people 
uh, let's just say not here today, okay, that have, have broke his heart. Do you think they might reap that? Yes. There's people that have sowed difficulty and plowed cross grain and intentionally, like Paul said, he called, God allowed Paul to call some people out. Demas has caused me much harm. We read Demas' name today, 2,000 years later. So there's people that come alongside a pastor and they buffet him and they hit him and they tear up the field that he's plowing in. God will handle that. So in other words, let's be mindful that because at any moment, could that be one of us? Yeah. That, that begins to cause difficulty in a pastor's life. Okay, so we have to be on guard against that. So he's worthy of double honor, money paid in valuables. Some people think and act like it's their pastor's job to support them financially. They think the bank, I mean, the church is a lending institution. That's what your bank is for. Yeah, uh, and so you come here to sow into the kingdom of God, which belongs to God, not the pastor, so that you can reap. So if you're sowing, you're going to have a reaping. But this is not a lending institution, right? Pastor's not a, a, a general contractor. He's not the plumber. He's not a banker. He's not all the things that people think he should, he should be or want them to be. Just because you want him to be something doesn't mean that's what God has authorized him to be. Let me help you with this too. He's not your friend. He loves you like a friend. But you can get a friend like that tomorrow if you'll be a friend. You can almost not find secular or spiritually a mentor today. Because people don't want to mentor people because they're tired of rebellion and people don't listen. People that are successful in any walk of life, they're not interested in mentoring you. That's why you pay uh, these guys, TR, $65,000 a year to be mentored by him. Because why should they do it for free? So in other words, if you're going to listen, prove it and pay for it. So your pastor's not, not charging you <laughs> for that. So um, there's a difference. Amen? Amen. Okay. So uh, walking in love and forgiveness and realizing their pastor is human and makes mistakes. I like to say it this way. There is a huge night and day difference between impurities and imperfections. Our pastor has imperfections, but he has no impurities. But if you look for those imperfections, you'll create a filter in your life where you can't receive from him. He's just a person. He has imperfections. And, and, and no, uh, he's not anointed when he's scooping the dog poop in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay, he's not, we don't kiss the ground he walks on. He's got to scoop the dog poop, change the cat litter like everybody else, and take out the trash. But when he's walking in that office, you need to, to, to forget. It, it, if, and I, I can say this very boldly, because if anybody could be familiar and not receive, it would be me above all of you. Because I've sat on the front row of all of his meetings for 20-something years. And when he quotes Acts chapter 2, every time I look to the Holy Ghost for something new. And my Bible is so marked up in those passages for him that I can't even read it. I can't read my own writing for smooching things in. So I don't allow myself to become familiar with the person of his office like I'm familiar with, with, with the person. And we can maybe get in an argument about what we're doing afterwards. <laughs> Not that that's okay. I have to watch myself on that because I'm human too. But um, if anybody could easily become familiar or just tune them out and not hear anymore, it would be me. Since I have never, that has never happened to me, it should never happen to you. Because again, we're, I'm pulling on heaven. God is my source, but I recognize that that is the supply line to me. And it doesn't take a lot of IQ to know I'm going to drain the brother dry. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's mine, right? And that's yours, okay? And, and interestingly enough, when you pull on the mantle anointing of someone's life, it actually refreshes them. So it always amuses me. And I have to say something when somebody says, oh, I don't want to bother you. 
it's my job, you're not bothering me. So if you tap the supply, what bothers me is when I'm sitting around and no one's tapping the supply because I don't like mindless minutia and chit chat and frivolity. You want to fatigue me, then do that when I'm around. I don't care when you do it, just leave me out of it. So drop me off on the corner and I'll walk home if I have to rather than be stuck with that. Um, so uh, when I'll go to North Carolina and we'll, Pastor Josh will do it too, we'll teach uh, if 12 hours in the school and then preach three hours. We'll preach 18 hours and fly back. Are you tired? No, my feet hurt, but I'm not tired. Because when, when the hose waters others, the hose gets wet. So when you're tapping the supply on anybody's life, they're not tired. What energy, that, that flow of the spirit out of them is actually what creates the passion and energy they feed their own life on. So he's not fatigued by us access supply. He's only fatigued when uh, instruction repeated becomes correction. He's got to tell you three times the same thing. Because A, you didn't care enough to write it down. B, you didn't care enough to do it. And you got to come back and ask him again. That's fatiguing. Just like you do with your kids or your employees, right? That wears you out. When, when you see people walking in the light of the truth, though, and the pastor sees his sheep prospering and they're fruitful, he's refreshed, okay? So imperfections are very different than impurities, but I'm still recommending that you not pay attention to every imperfection. Just glaze over and forget about it, okay? It, learn to laugh, because he makes me laugh still. He's funny. Even when he's not being funny, he's just funny. Uh, don't try to change him, correct him, or judge him for his mistakes. Pastor Hagen at some point was our pastor for nine years, and that's pa uh, Pastor Kenneth, uh, not E. Hagen Sr., but Wayne, Wayne Jr. And so people, it always just made me literally nauseous, and to this day, I have other ministers say, oh, Junior, or Ken, I'm like, who? And I, and I would, i pretend I didn't know what they're talking about, but don't tell them, okay? I would just be like, who? And they go, Pastor, oh, Pastor Hagen. Oh, my word, yeah. And so um, they, they would criticize him for saying ain't, I said, you know, that's one of the things I love best about him. Now, I was raised, we didn't say ain't. That was a four-letter word. <laughs> and you don't use it. But he's a Texan, and he wore cowboy boots, and he would say ain't. It was like, if you're going to take all that away, then, then you've made him into something he's not. So then again, those were imperfections. And again, maybe they were just imperfections to you, but that doesn't make it imperfections to somebody else. So when he says the same joke 500 times, this is what we can celebrate. It's never the same twice anyway. So how can you possibly board? And he gets everything wrong and upside down. He makes up words. He uses them out of context. Uh, they, they don't even fit the meaning of the sentence. And you just, you're like, yeah. Uh, but you try talking <laughs> for an hour or so and not listen to yourself and see what happens to you. So don't try to change, correct, or judge him for mistakes that you believe he's made. Right there, you need to slap yourself if you're even thinking that you had the right to judge a mistake that he made. You're not in the position because you're not over him. Now, he can and will be judged, but by, that's by those in authority. And we're not in authority over him. We are one submitted under his authority. So we don't even have to, to wonder or worry about that. Isn't that refreshing? If a pastor's wrong, he can be corrected through his personal fellowship time with the Lord in intercession, his fellowship with his peers, which are other ministers. We are not his peers. Those are other ministers uh, like his board, etc. Uh, so I like to say it by like this. You're not accountable to the ones that you're responsible for, and you're not responsible for people you're accountable to. Amen. I'm not accountable to my children or in my employees. I'm responsible for them, and that, that is an accountability to God and my responsibility for them. But I'm not responsible for my board members. I'm accountable to them. So whoever's above you, you're accountable to. Whoever's underneath you that you're serving, you're responsible for. You can't switch that. 
So he's not accountable to us. He's responsible for us and he's accountable to his authority. And he's got more than, than most pastors I've ever known in my lifetime. He's got parents, he's got board members. He has a lot of accountability and he has a pastor, which is the most important thing. Pastor without a pastor is no such thing. So, uh, and we can say it in a, in, a, in a Marie expression, correction upwards is both rebellion and stupidity. And we claim to be neither, right? Uh, fallen ministers. So how do ministers fall? Not because somebody wasn't pointing out all their flaws around them and thinking that they were called to help. I had a woman tell me a few weeks ago she was, it was difficult for her to be called to a corrective ministry. <laughs> yeah, I had to try not to just, you know, my poker face. And so I maintained it. But I, it wasn't funny. But still, if it wasn't sad, it would be funny. Um, and so obviously no one's called. Sometimes the prophet's office has an alignment or a correction in it through the word of God. Uh, that's it. But this person wasn't even in a ministry office or a ministry position. And she let me know that she had corrected my husband on his coffee drinking. And I said, well, that's very interesting because he doesn't drink it. She's like, well, he mentioned he drinks some sort of big, tall coffee drink later in, in the day. Yeah, on occasion, but not every day. Wow, yeah, so uh, correction upwards. Is a, any of you tried correcting your boss? Yeah, the, let me know and tell me how it went for you. Or maybe I'll call him because maybe you think it went well. You're at the top of the pink slip list as soon as he gets an application to suitably replace you. Um, so uh, he, pastors that study for sermons, the first thing they did tell us in Bible school is nutty, never study for ministry we study for personal growth. Ministry is an outflow of our personal growth. And so that's how you fall as a minister. You were studying for sermons. In other words, you gained head knowledge in the word rather than personal growth knowledge. And so ministry, we minister, that just means meet the need. It's the outflow of our relationship with God. So he has to have a lot of time set aside for that. That's why he can't do all the things sometimes we all want him to do or think he should do because he can't be distracted. You may only need 30 minutes of devotion a day. That is not adequate for a pastor that's ministering regularly. 30 days is not a sufficient devotion. So if he has to spend half the day every day in the Word and studying for teaching classes and doing sermons and traveling, then that is his job. Amen? Yeah. And we need, to, we need to create an atmosphere by whatever we need to do, by us spending the money or the time to do all the other things that we want. He's, not, again, not the plumber. He's not the contractor. He's not the landscaper. Amen. And take care of those things so that, like Paul said, he could devote himself to the Word in prayer. It's for your benefit. So that supply belongs to you. So you have to support that supply and make sure that he's actually able to do that. Okay, so we're almost done. So sheep need to be under one pastor. In other words, planted, not a pot plant. God has not authorized you to be a pot plant. Pot plants will act like potheads. You know, just don't know what's going on. So if you're moving around all the time, according to 1 Corinthians, it says God's placed you as he saw fit. So it's not as you see fit. And again, you're placed in a local body because you are supposed to give a supply and receive a supply. The joint that is fitly supplied is both giving a supply and receiving a supply. That means you can't chop it out and disconnect it and move it somewhere else because you like the music better there or you like how the pastor's wife dresses better there. You're a pot plant and pot root, pot, potted plants get root bound and they die. So Jesus describes us as trees planted by living waters. We're never called pot plants, but we're called trees that are planted. So that means you're not moving around. So stop saying this, my season is up. D don't even say that with your marriage and don't even say it with your job. Yeah, just because you got bored or dissatisfied. Remember the day you signed on, you agreed to those wages. 
Yeah, so if you want to change something, use it, do it by your faith. Okay, so they need to be on one pastor. God has set the members in, his, in the body as it pleased him. Does the one under authority have the right to choose the authority over them? No. Did you choose your boss? No. Did you choose your teachers in school? No. So you don't get to choose your pastor. But are most people that are even attending church, church attendance is, on, is uh, only 17 times a year out of 52, I think it was the, the recent statistic. The, the committed Christian, that's you all sitting here, 17 times of services. Whether you're ill, you have vacations, you got the strawberry festival, you got better things to do on Sunday than attend church. So that's the average attendance of that person. Uh, not really going to be able to get real grow and strong under that. So that's the person, the average Christian that's saying, oh, I'm going to this church because they have a better singles group. They got a motorcycles club. I like their music better. Are we to ever choose a church? But we are to pray that God chooses for us. And once you, he's chosen for you, he doesn't go, hey, by the way, my season's up. Okay, let's just talk about this, because I like to say things that no one else will say. What if the pastor goes off in adultery? Will God replace him? Yes, not you, though. It's not your exit strategy of what you think is the fault or flaws or even impurities of a pastor or his staff. God didn't change the body. That's his body. And if he needs to replace a head under him, he will. But that's not your decision, right? Okay, so we stay planted, whether we're bored uh, or not, or disgruntled or any of those things. Okay, so you need a pastor to grow. In other words, you can't grow without a pastor. You're going to be fruitful, overcome the snares of the devil to come into unity and to be faithful. So a pastor is going to teach you that. You're not going to, in other words, you're not going to get into some things without having a pastor. The TV preacher is not your pastor. Try getting sick and getting a tuna casserole out of them. Yeah. Next time you need to be married or buried, call them up. It's not happening. They're not bringing you a meal. They're not marrying you. They're not loading their furniture in the back of your truck every time you want to move every year in your local town. <laughs> they're not helping you. They're not, they're not giving you their furniture on the LFC meeting the need page. So those are not pastors. They don't claim to be pastors. So you, do, you can't call them. Well, in other words, your church is not in your lazy boy recliner either. Okay. So they're not your pastor and that's not your church. That's not your pew. Okay, God has provided supernatural equipment for the pastor, including words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. These gifts help him lead, govern, and counsel. So whether we have words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy in this church is up to us, not the pastor. We have seen him flow in all the offices and skillfully, but whether the flow comes in any service is not dictated by him. It's dictated exclusively by us. Whether we were too tired on Sunday morning to press in and worship. And if you've learned him at all, you'll know he'll try. He'll get up here and he'll change the song and he'll try to crank your tractor and be the dancing bear that he says he want to be. And when we don't respond, he shuts it down and tells you to high five everybody. In other words, we missed it because we dragged in here. We didn't take Saturdays and prepare ourselves for God's day. We stayed up watching our movie and enjoying ourselves, thinking, well, God, tomorrow's God's day. But you drug in here incoherent. So we are not ready to give a supply to anybody else or receive a supply. And by Sunday nights, that's usually why it flows better. But it, it, should it be that way? No. Can we change that? Yes. Now, can, why can't we surprise pastor and have a Sunday night on a Sunday morning next week? Yes. He might faint. Be ready to catch him. 
no, actually you'll see him be, be energized by that. So uh, again, the utterance that comes from the pulpit is dependent on whether you pull and how much you pull with your face. So what you brought is what, it was what comes out, not what he brought, because he, believe me, even when he's had the worst possible week, he brings Mo and Joe. Yeah, he has never lost his mojo. So you want to bring uh, your supply, too. Uh, the studies have shown for decades and decades that the average life of a pastor in a community takes a minimum of five years for him to begin to be effective, 10 years before he's trusted and accepted by the community. We're on that exact track, like it or not. And so the average life of a pastor in any one location is 18 months internationally because the number one danger to a pastor is discouragement. So we all come in here and we're just waiting to see his Mo and Joe and see if we like it in the cappuccino bar and we'll see what he's got and we'll stay. By the time people have decided that, he's discouraged to move on down the road because they're not responding to God. They're just deciding if they like the flavor of the wheat going on. So the number one danger to your pastor is discouragement. Not anything else, not a lack of finances, not lack of anything. If he gets discouraged, you're in trouble. So you need to prevent that by, again, bringing the supply that you need so that he stays encouraged Amen. and strengthened. And, and the main way he's encouraged is the word works in your life and you tell him about it. You're not always sucking the life out of him about everything that's not working. Start working the word that he's taught you for eight years and, 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 let, and let him receive of that supply of it working too. But just him knowing about it. Uh, how about an email or a text message of a praise report Amen. instead of a problem? you know, every now and then. A little drink of water would be uh, awesome. Uh, Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 1.18, that he was pressed out of measure. In other words, the things that were coming against him happening to him, it almost pressed him, it pressed him beyond his faith. He wasn't talking about, oh, there's no money, and, and oh, my body has a thorn in the flesh. He was talking about, he was so discouraged that it about pressed him beyond all the faith that he had. He didn't want, he was like, I don't know what to do. I'm, confu I'm confused. He said, I'm pondering on what to choose. Whether to go is better for me to remain is for you. And he had to stop and think about whether he was just flat out tired. Tired. And then he said, I'm going to stay. So somebody came to lift up his hands and minister to his heart that caused him to say, I'm going to stay a while longer because it's for your benefit. Even though he's like, I about poured out like a drink offering. So don't let your pastor get discouraged. So how do you receive a supply? Proper financial support we've discussed, and now you're going to pray for him. Paul specifically told us to pray for our leaders, but he told us how. Isn't that awesome? So the first thing he told you to do was pray for utterance. Why would you need to pray for utterance for your pastor? And the Bible says actually boldness, because it wasn't a personality thing. You would think, well, our pastor has ample supply of that, because <laughs> that's not what it was referring to. It was not a personality issue versus, oh, he's not bold, he's not confident. It actually meant this, pray for me that freedom of utterance, something said may be given to me, that I may open my mouth as a front edge of a weapon to proclaim boldly, speedily, and mightily the mystery of the gospel. Because pastors sometimes are told things by God that they don't really want to say. They think, well, that's going to hurt so-and-so's feelings. Um, or they know how easily offended the flock is. So they don't want to always say it, or then they have to think, how can I phrase that, rephrase that in a way that nobody will hear the podcast and go, you said later. That's wrong. That's our fault, guys. Yeah. We have not been safe for pastors. So we have to be safe by not saying, hey, pastor, say on. I don't care how it comes out. We're not going to judge it. I don't care if it sounds upside down or you used a word out of context or maybe we got our little toesies stepped on. Get a steel pair of steel-toed shoes and wear them to church. 
Yeah, if you need to protect your toes. In other words, we're not say, we're not only not pulling, but we're making him put everything in these soft marshmallow cream, like he opened the jar of marshmallow cream. Get, would you like that, honey? Yeah, instead of saying, Pastor, if you need to hit me upside the head with a raw steak, thank you. Yeah, hit me again, because I can still feel myself. Yeah, and so, um, in other words, you will need to come here and hit me with your best shot. Because that's, that's what we, we need. We come here for life. We don't come here to have marshmallow cream. Did you get out of bed and fix your hair and makeup, girls, for marshmallow cream? Because I didn't. Yeah, I can stay home for that. I eat out of my own jar. So if we're going to get up, I remember we, um, a famous model said, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. I don't get out of bed for on Sunday for less than the full measure of the Spirit. Yeah, and so our pastor brings that. So whether we receive it or not was up to us, whether we were safe for him to yield that. So do we need to pray for utterance and boldness? And we need to pull on and he needs to know that he can say whatever because just because he's saying something doesn't mean it won't come out slightly flawed and imperfect because the water's flowing through this pipe. Okay, and he's got to get clarity. And so that's why Paul said we kind of know in part and prophesy in part because God's flowing through an imperfect vessel. But if we're judging that vessel, then that vessel will just stop. Stop receiving that supply. Just like anybody else that you got all judgmental and critical about, they'd leave your life. Okay, so it'll stop up a flow if you're going to criticize him when he says ain't. In other words, if I can summarize it that way. So Paul asked them to pray for him and he tells them how. People have to be taught how to pray for leaders. Uh, utterance. These are spirit utterances, not utterances from the mind. The utterances from the spirit are going to do two things. They're going to accelerate your life and they're going to cause alignment. Spirit utterances are word from, words out of someone's mouth and word in spirit, even in a counseling session, will cause alignment if you'll line up with it. It'll shove you if you're way off the path and it will hurt. When you're shoved onto the path, you're gonna feel shoved. It's okay to feel shoved. So if the pastor has to push you or you're sitting with me and it feels like a jerk, you know, you're going over the cliff and your shoulder got relocated, well, that's gonna hurt, but your life got saved. So it depends on how far, far are you off on how painful that alignment or realignment gets for you. Same thing with a chiropractor. So the Holy Ghost can say something to you in a service that never even came out of the pastor's mouth. Because people like you said, people tell you said stuff all this time, you know, you didn't say. <laughs> it's not what you said, it's what they heard. Amen. Yeah. So you can, even if pastors speaking on marriage and you have a financial problem and you show up Sunday morning, you can believe for an answer because the book of Acts says that. It's not what they said, it's what each man heard. Did each man hear in his own language? Yeah, the, the 120 were speaking in one language, but 3,000 heard in 3,000 different dialects. So it's whatever he's saying, whatever you have need, and there's 70 people in here, all 70 people get their needs met all at once if we're all pulling on utterances. So it doesn't matter what the subject is or whoever the minister is, you, the supply is there for you, amen? Okay, uh, write down what your pastor says to you in conversation. Follow his Facebook and his Instagram because a lot of wisdom nuggets for your life come on that and you wouldn't need an appointment if you would just look at that, on that every day. Um, also, if you have an opportunity to sit down at a meal with him, don't waste that time with frivolity and the latest movie and whatever or being on your phone in front of him. Pull on the mantle. He's not tired. He's not done when he goes to IHOP just because he's finished preaching. He's, maybe there are those, but he's not one of them. So if you sit by him, you can pull. I don't mean a personal counseling session for your problem that you've had for 20 years that you're still working on. So we can all go home at midnight and feel like we got hit by a mat truck after that. 
No, I mean you pulling on heaven. When we used to be with Brother Hagen or any of our fathers in faith, we did two things. We either shut up and listen to the conversations at the table with the other ministers so we could pull, but then if the Holy Ghost would give us a question, we would take the opportunity to tap that supply. We never discussed anything frivolous or casual. That's, that's, that's dinners with your friends and those are wonderful, but that's not when you have your pastor or, or a mentor in front of you. Don't sit there and not tap the supply or don't sit down with them. Let, let them at least eat their meal in peace, amen? The gifts of the Spirit are going to keep a church clean. Sin can run rampant through a church, even that one that knows the Word. So the gifts of the Spirit are important. And whether you find them uncomfortable and your personality is not relevant. These are not personality issues. You want to pull on it. Maybe you think you don't need it, but everybody else does. And you want to pull on it because it keeps this church clean. And it keeps everything cleaned out which is a good thing for all of us. There's, there's not sin running around behind the walls and the offices. There's not crazy stuff going on in the members of the worship team. They're not sleeping with each other. So all that stuff is not going on. What you see is what you get here because the gifts of the Spirit will keep a church clean, not just the Word alone. They, they expose things. So Paul told him to pray for boldness and for utterances. So listen to his podcasts, meditate on them, apply that Word to your life so that he can see growth in your life. So we need to pray for our pastor, uh, and we have to come with faith to pull on heaven. And then lastly, you need to pray for yourself. How many of you are familiar with the Ephesians prayers and Ephesians okay, chapters and the Colossians prayers? These are things you need to be praying over yourself every day because you need to be able to have the eyes of your understanding light. If you don't understand your pastor's speech, you don't understand his sermon because you're not meditating it on during week. Instead of listening to somebody else's sermon, re-listen to your pastor's sermon because that's the meal that was served to you and those are good leftovers. In fact, every time you hear it, you hear something that you didn't hear before because today, some of you only heard 7%. That's the standard. Most of you heard less than that because you either got up, went to the bathroom, or you were yawning or thinking of your grocery list. Yeah. And so you only got 7% or less than what I said today. So how many times would you need to listen to this week's podcast to even hope to hear 100%, much less obtain and do it? So it's already passed and you got next week's podcast. But imagine if you listen to it every day when you were blow drying your hair, gentlemen fixing breakfast, riding in your car, whatever on your phone, and you listen to it every day, you think you might get a little bit more of it and be back here the next week ready to move forward instead of him regurgitating and going over the same thing again because everybody acts like they heard nothing all week. Yeah, and so as fast as this congregation moves and grows is not up to the pastor, it's up to us. If he starts preaching the same things over and over again, that means we're not growing. So he's got to, like Paul said, it's time to give you meat, but I couldn't give you meat, so i got to go back to the milk of the word because we left it long ago, and you're like, oh, we act like we never heard that before. So you can kind of pay attention to what he's doing, and we can judge whether we're doing our part or not. So I thought today we would take a minute in closing, instead of praying for ourselves, or laying hands on us, because he will do that. He'll pray for us and lay hands on us tonight, that we would actually take a few minutes and just pray for him. And I like to practice what, what we preach, because the thief comes. So the moment you walk out this door, the thief comes to you, even at lunch, to steal this word. So the way we don't steal it is we open our mouth to it immediately, we get an agreement with it, and we start doing it. And now we have a chance to make this a habit. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out at Jack Myers Ministries Facebook page as well as lifefamilychurch.net.